1: After deliberating for about two and a half hours... 33-year-old Josef Pushka was found guilty of murder. His story not believed by the jury.
3: Judge Justice Tony Hunt, he did say he was glad that they didn't waste any more of their valuable time on Puska's farcical story.
0: From the team that brought you The Trial of Lucy Letby, this is The Trial, Ashley Murphy.
3: We have 23 years of memories with Ashling. 23 years of lessons, of love and of laughter. Now we must endure years of life without her. But we as a family will continue to set the table for five. The gap is more than just her empty chair. There is a constant palpable void in our family without Aisling.
2: Those are the words of Amy Murphy, speaking today in Dublin's Central Criminal Court in the minutes before Joseph Pushka was sentenced to life in prison for the murder of her little
0: sister. Amy was joined by Ashlyn's boyfriend, Ryan Casey, as they told the court the impact her death has had on them. It's the first time this court has heard from
2: Ashlyn's family, the first time they've had the opportunity to speak. Today, we'll be bringing you their words. Welcome to episode 13 She was everything to us. Nicola, the atmosphere in the court today was really hard to describe. Tense would be a word because while it's the day of the sentencing of Joseph Pushka, we already know from the episode that we brought you yesterday that the judge can't actually impose a sentence on him as such. Life imprisonment is all he can impose. The tariff, the number of years he will serve is then down to the parole board. But today that tension in the court was because Ashton's family were being given the opportunity to speak.
0: Yes, at last they were. A number of Ashin's family members wrote their victim impact statements and today they were able to deliver them to the court. Now, these statements were read to the court before Joseph Pushka was sentenced. So he was there to hear exactly what he had done to this family. And just to put it in context, Caroline, just as Tony Hunt said that these statements that were delivered today were the most powerful he'd ever heard. During his time on the bench In their statements Which we'll hear in a second They told of their utter heartbreak Of how their lives were shattered That day in January last year Forever Ryan Casey, Aisling's partner of six years Was the first to take the stand He was led to the witness box Walking behind Joseph Pushka. He was led by a detective and the first thing he did when he sat down was to place a large photograph of Aisling in front of him. So this photograph was looking out at the court and more specifically it was looking out at Joseph Pushka who was sitting just a few yards to his left. It took several moments for him to compose himself and then he began to read his statement. His voice choked with emotion the whole way through. His words are voiced by an
2: actor.
1: Ashling and I first met on the 6th of September in 2013 at a local rugby club disco in Tullamore, which was 10 years ago this year. We were both just 15 years old and it was our first time to ever meet even though we only lived seven or eight minutes up the road from each other. I knew even way back then that there was just something so special about her, her beautiful and warm personality, coupled with that big distinctive and wholesome smile that I grew to love more and more as time went on. The very next day, I just couldn't resist. I felt that there was genuinely something so special about her so I just had to text her. So, from that day forward, we started texting each other, and after a number of weeks and meetups, we were in a relationship together. We simply couldn't get enough of each other. I instantly loved her family. They were, and still are to this day, the most warm, wholesome, and welcoming family you can ever meet. They symbolise absolutely everything that is great about Irish society. Good, honest, kind, and hard-working people that I am so lucky to call family. Although I found out on December 18th of 2016, while at my house, that we weren't officially going out, as I had never officially asked her to be my girlfriend. So it was on that night that I officially asked Ashling to be my girlfriend, and this became our anniversary date, which worked out perfectly as I had a surprise gift for Christmas to give her that night, which was the first ever gift I got her. A rose gold Daniel Wellington watch with a brown leather strap that I knew she really wanted for a long time. A watch that her mother Kathleen now wears every day. What we had was very, very special, and we both knew it. Honestly, Ashley knew me better than I knew myself. She could literally read me like a book, knew exactly what mood I was in, and knew exactly what to do or say to cheer me up, and I know for a fact this went both ways. In the entire time that we were together, we never had one single disagreement or one single little argument, which is something I loved about our relationship. We were both such planners. We had made so many plans together, such as moving in together, starting our careers, traveling the world together, building a house together, having kids and starting a family, proposing to her, getting married. The list goes on and on. We had planned to move to Galway in late summer of 2022. After this, we had plans to move to Dubai for one to two years, as it was always Ashling's dream for as long as I've known her to teach in Dubai. After Dubai was going to be coming home and building our house, which we already had spent so many hours designing together over the Christmas of 2021. We often discussed how many kids we'd love to have, and how they would be mighty little hurlers or komogi players, and even better musicians. One thing Aisling used to always say to me was that if we were lucky enough to have a little boy someday, she always wanted to call him Rian, which is Irish for Ryan. In terms of marriage, there was just no question. I was going to marry the girl of my dreams and my soulmate. I knew the exact type of engagement ring she'd love. We would talk about the wedding day itself, what types of dress she'd love, how it would be in Mount Bola's church, where the reception would be, just everything, even down to what our wedding song would be, which Ashling always wanted to be, Can You Feel the Love Tonight from The Lion King. When I used to drive home from her house, I always, every time, without fail, would say out loud in the car, I can't wait to marry that girl someday. I would have married Ashling a long time ago if I could, and I wish I did, but... Last year, on the 12th of January, I lost so much more than my girlfriend. I lost my partner in life, my closest friend, my best friend. The privilege of marrying into the Murphy and Leonard family, a role model for my little sister, future grandchildren for my parents and Ashling's parents and great-grandchildren for my grandparents. Everything that I ever wanted in life Every single plan that I had in my life is now gone and cannot be brought back. Ashling was simply everything to me. And this is what I've lost. I never knew that there was a pain as severe and long-lasting as the physical and emotional pain that comes with losing the most important person in your life. It just doesn't make any sense to me how somebody who is just so insignificant, worthless, lowest of the low burden to society and overall a waste of life can completely and permanently destroy so many people's lives by taking the life of a person who is the complete opposite a life with meaning a life with dreams a life of love and compassion respect a person who contributed to society in the best ways possible it just sickens me to the core that someone can come to this country be fully supported in terms of social housing, social welfare and free medical care for over 10 years. Over 10 years! Never hold down a legitimate job and never once contribute to society in any way, shape or form can commit such a horrendous evil act of incomprehensible violence on such a beautiful, loving and talented person who in fact worked for the state, educating the next generation and represented everything that is good about Irish society. I feel like this country is no longer the country that Ashling and I grew up in, and has officially lost its innocence when a crime of this magnitude can be perpetrated in broad daylight. This country needs to wake up. This time, things have to change. We have to once and for all start putting the safety of not only Irish people, but everybody in this country who works hard, pays taxes, raises families and overall contributes to society first. We don't want to see any other family in this country go through what we have gone through and are continuing to go through. I don't think we will ever truly know why this evil, evil description of a human being decided to take our ashling from us.
2: I mean, those words there, Nicola, from Ryan Casey were so... Unbelievably powerful, but actually he didn't stop there, did he? He wanted to address Joseph Pushka directly to his face about what he'd done.
0: Yes, Caroline, Ryan Casey had been delivering his testimony, his statement towards the body of the court. But when he came to the last part of his statement, he turned around and he looked directly at Joseph Pushke, who momentarily glanced up at him. And then he directed this final part of his statement to Pushke in the dock.
1: You have no idea what you have stolen from us you have no idea how much Ashling meant to us. You have no idea of the love we had for each other. Because of you, I've lost my Ashling. Because of you, I've lost everything I've ever wanted in life. Because of you, I'll never get to marry my soulmate. Because of you, I will never hear her voice again. Because of you, I will never see Her smile again. Because of you, I will have to somehow carry on without her. Because of you, I will have to remember her longer than I have known her. I don't care where you end up, what happens to you after today. But you smirked, you smiled, and you showed zero remorse throughout this trial, which sums up who you really are. The epitome of pure evil, but one thing is for sure, you will never ever harm, or touch another woman ever again. And when your day of reckoning comes, may you be in hell a whole half hour before God even knows you're dead. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you.
2: So Nicola, Amy, Ashlyn's sister, who we heard at the very top of the episode there, also read her statement to the courtroom. Now we know Amy and Ashlyn were so close as sisters. Um, Amy was the older sister, Ashlyn was her little sister. They used to play instruments together in the kitchen. There's lots of YouTube videos of them playing their instruments, both incredibly talented musicians. And she really wanted to
0: tell the court about her sister. Oh, she did, Caroline. And I think just one thing to note for people, obviously, most people have never seen Ashley Murphy's sister, but they are so alike. They could be twin sisters. Yeah, they could. Yeah. and you know that makes it so much more poignant. She went up to the witness box again she walked behind Joseph Pushka now interestingly the Murphy family had expressed a concern earlier that Joseph Pushka was sitting in the dock and he had no handcuffs on him and they were actually worried about Amy having to walk so close to him as she went up to the witness box now they were told by the prison service that they couldn't handcuff him on until after the sentence had been passed down. So she was led by a detective past Joseph Pushka. She was within you know, less than a foot of him at one point and she was led to the witness box and she sat down and in a low, very composed voice, she began her statement.
3: Our job as children was to set the table for five people every day. It was the hustle and bustle of it all. Matches here, flowers there. Every evening our kitchen was filled with music and the normalities of everyday life. But we always set the table for five. As our young Ashlyn grew up, she became the glue that bound our tightly knit family together. She had such an endearing personality and she was so generous with her time, her love and her talents, giving so much of herself to others. The eerie quietness that now remains in the house is deafening. For Ashling, shopping could only be described as a competitive sport, which of course she took first place in. She quite literally could have bought shares in Zara. The week of her death saw multiple delivery drivers arrive at our door with tears in their eyes, handing over yet another parcel with Ashling's name on it. These online shopping deliveries still sit on her bed today, unopened. Ashling was a vibrant, outgoing 23-year-old just merely starting out in her career as a primary school teacher. Miss Murphy had 28 first-class students and was like a second mammy to them. There were many evenings Ashlyn got delayed leaving school as she pondered over the most creative elf-on-the-shelf ideas that she knew would bring so much joy to the children. She awaited their reaction each morning, knowing the excitement it brought to their classroom. As a surprise, she baked gingerbread men for each and every one of them at Christmas. Her baking supplies now sit, untouched, in the press at home. It breaks our hearts that she was stolen away from the many wonderful students she made an impact on, who are now left broken-hearted at her sudden departure, a void which cannot be filled. When Aisling wasn't in school, she was clocking miles in her granddad's red car, a car with which she drove with such pride as she inherited it after her beloved granddad passed away. After a period of time following Ashton's murder, we eventually got her car back. My heart sank when I opened the front passenger door to find a half-eaten slice of toast and a half-drank mug of tea, along with her handbag, teaching supplies and a hurl sitting in the front seat. All signs of a young woman preoccupied with the comings and goings of her busy, everyday life. We still set our table for five people, even though this world has changed for us in ways we could never before imagine. I have never felt hatred like this. We were not raised to be like this. Our parents instilled core values in us, taught us right from wrong and to be respectful of others. But these actions against Ashling have permanently and indefinitely tainted our outlooks on society forevermore. Ashling's pink fiddle case now lies at home, covered in dust. For me, this serves as the harshest and cruelest reminder that we will never play together again, and of how fragile this life truly is. We were blissfully unaware that we were living amongst total evil, and he was right under our noses in our community. Crossing a national border does not automatically instill a moral code in a person. You were given an Irish welcome and supported by the state to allow you to reside here. You repaid this by brutally murdering a beautiful, talented girl who contributed so much to society. We are relieved that after today, we do not have to spend any more time in the vicinity of this vile human being. Your lies and deceit knows no bounds. At no point did you make effort to take responsibility for your actions. Quite the contrary, really. To add insult to injury, you proceeded to spin a ludicrous web of lies, suggesting you were in fact helping Ashling in her dying moments and not inflicting these deadly injuries. Shame on him for disrespecting the memory of Ashling like that. Losing Ashling was the hardest, most devastating thing our family has ever been through, and we will never be the same. A future not worth living if Ashling is not in it.
2: As you said there, Nicola, Amy read those incredibly powerful and poignant words from the stand, the witness stand, in the court today, composed, calm... Quiet, you know, every single word, though, just cut through the courtroom. I wonder, what was Joseph Pushka doing when all this was happening? What was his reaction to,
0: to particularly to Amy? So when Joseph Pushka came into the dock today, he seemed to be doing everything in his power with his facial expressions and his body language to convey his contempt for the proceedings. He was looking at the ceiling. He was looking out at the small windows above where the judge sits on the bench. He was making it clear that he wasn't paying attention. But when Ryan Casey gave his statement and then followed by Amy, Aisling's sister, he was forced just to sit and listen. And he looked ahead of him, straight ahead of him, as the words were translated by the translator who sat to his left. And then, of course, when Ryan turned directly to address him and then Amy did the same, there was no escape for him. And of course,
2: lastly, we heard from Aisling and Amy's mum, Kathleen, Not really surprising, Kathleen wasn't able to read her statement in the courtroom, just too, too much for her. But she did get a female guarder to read it for her, didn't she? Tell us a little bit about the sorts of things that she was saying. I know that what she basically was summing up was that this is every parent's worst nightmare, that her job was to protect her children and in this one moment... In this one awful moment, she wasn't able to do that.
0: Yeah, as the female policewoman began to read Kathleen's testimony... Ashling's father and Kathleen's husband moved in closer to his wife and he put his arm around her and he held her and the words came tumbling out. They were read very well by this female guard, a sergeant and she told about how Ashling was the light of her mammy's life, how she was the one always up in the house, how she was the one who organised treat days a day to the spa. She brought them to see a Westlife concert twice and the week before she was murdered they'd all been to Dublin to visit the Guinness factory there the Guinness storehouse and this was a Christmas present from Ashlyn. As she came to the end of the statement the police officer actually broke down as she read Ashlyn's mom's words. They were, as a parent, you want your child to go out into this world and live a full and meaningful life, yet being acutely aware of how fragile their safety is, but you want to protect them. I couldn't protect my darling Ashling, and now she's gone forever. And as I said, the Garda sergeant at this stage who was reading the words, she began to cry herself and just as Tony Hunt intervened at this stage and he said, it's OK Garda, I understand exactly how you feel. I think also the judge referenced that he had never,
2: in all his years of sitting on the bench, in all his years of controlling these courtrooms, managing these courtrooms, being in charge of these courtrooms, he's never experienced emotion like that that he saw today.
0: Yeah, he did. And he thanked the Murphy family for their dignity and composure throughout this trial. And he also made reference to a point in the trial where he told the prosecution that he couldn't have any outbursts in the court. And he said if he'd caused any offence by saying that he was sorry, he really didn't mean to. What he wanted was to get to the end of this trial and he hoped he hadn't added to their pain.
2: He also, Nicola, referred to the sentence, didn't he? And we've talked about this a little bit. But he did say, because of the system in Ireland, he has no power. But he said, if I did have the power, this sentence would be a very long one. And he said it was one of the quirks of the systems that meant he couldn't have any say over how long Joseph Pushka will serve in prison.
0: That's right. And he actually referred to the fact that in the neighbouring jurisdiction, the United Kingdom, that a judge can say this person will spend their life in prison. He said, we can't do that here. He can't do that. But he certainly gave the impression that if he could, he would. He said one of the great problems of the system is that it's a one-size-fits-all sentencing. And he said, clearly, all murders aren't the same. And he said, This murder, the murder of Ashley Murphy by Joseph Pushka, was clearly on the upward scale of gravity. One of the things
2: I think we should talk about briefly, Nicola, is the reference that both Ryan and Amy made in their statement to the welcome Joseph Pushka had been given by the people and the community of Ireland that he had moved from his native Slovakia to set up home in Ireland because he wanted a better life for him and his family and his wife and his children. And this was how he repaid that. And they both made pretty strong, in fact, visceral reference to that, didn't they?
0: Yes, they did. This was a really strong part of the victim impact statements. They said, you've come to this country. I'm thinking of Ryan here. He said, you've come to this country. You've had free medical care for 10 years. You've been housed. Your family has been looked after. And what do you do in return? He said, "Ashling was an example of all that was good about Ireland. Community teaching, music, sport, and he said Joseph Pushka had robbed the country of her. Once these really emotional statements had been delivered, Nicola, was Joseph Pushka then led away to the cells? When Joseph Pushka was led away, Caroline, it was almost an anticlimactic moment because at that point, Aisling's family and friends were hugging and embracing each other. The police officers who had investigated this case were hugging as well, shaking hands with the family. Anne-Marie Lawler, who would prosecuted the case, she came down as well to offer her condolences to the family. And then the translator who had sat beside Joseph Pushka for the whole trial, she came up and approached the Murphy family and she said that she was sorry that she had to translate that evidence and she said that she had prayed for them. As they left the courtroom a gathering of the public had gathered outside. This was still inside the court complex but maybe there was over a hundred people there and they began to clap the Murphy family as they came out. And then as the guards came out, the policemen and women who'd investigated this crime they were also clapped. And finally Anne-Marie Lawler the prosecution senior counsel the barrister who led the prosecution case, she got a big round of applause as well from the public who were assembled in the court complex so that's
2: it for today and for this series for now if we do have more on this case we'll bring it to you but Joseph Pushka is now in prison for a long long time possibly for the rest of his life because we know he can't even be considered for parole unless and until he admits what he did And even then, the chances of early release must be small. Nicola, it's been really lovely to work with you. Your insights from inside the courtroom have been invaluable.
0: Thanks, Caroline. It's been one of the saddest and most horrendous cases that I've ever covered. But we hope this podcast coverage means we've been able to shine a light on this awful crime and also on the court process here in Ireland. This is a male Metro Media production presented and scripted by me, Caroline
2: Cheatham, Court reporting by Nicola Byrne, produced and edited by Julia Webster, production management by Vittoria Cicchini and executive production by Jamie East. Thanks to all our listeners for your support and invaluable feedback. If you'd like to get in contact, you can leave a comment on this episode, get in touch on Twitter at the trial podcast or email us at podcasts at Metromedia. If we're not back with an update on this trial, we'll be back with another trial at some point in the near future.